you're not a girl, so you probably didn't have this life experience, but like when I would play make-believe with my friends, it was just a bunch of filler until one of us was like on the brink of death. And then like we had to like save each other from the brink of death. But that's all we would do over and over again is we would just be like, I'm gonna die. And then we'd have to like save each other. Want to hear the dumb shit that happened to me today? Sure. Okay. So we've had this long ongoing issue that the landscapers come Monday morning and the dogs need to be inside when the landscapers are here for obvious reasons. Well, every other Monday I work from home and Andrew has been tasked with contacting the landscapers and changing the day and time that they come so that this isn't a problem for the weeks that I'm in the office and can't be here with the dogs. You know what I mean? Well, he hasn't done it because he's procrastinated and just straight up not done it. So he's been having to go in late to work on the days that I'm not here. So today I told him before I left, I was like, here's the lock. Please lock the gate before you go back to work. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay. So... I'm at work and it's about 11 o'clock and I decide I'm going to check the ring camera into our backyard. So I just, I look on the camera and I just, you know, honestly, I check the camera to see if Andrew went out there and locked the gate like I told him to. So I'm looking and I'm backing up on the camera. And what do I see? I see the landscaper in the yard with Loki and Izzy running around with the landscaper. I was like, what the fuck? So I'm pissed. I was pissed. Pissed. And then I keep backing up and realize that what happened was they came in, they mowed the backyard, they leave. Andrew walks out, locks the gate, and then he goes to work. And then about 10 minutes later, they come back into the backyard. So the thing is about the lock on our gate is rusted, so we can't actually latch it right now. But I, I knew that, and I thought that was fine because I thought... If it's just on there from the inside, they wouldn't be able to unlatch it and come in. But they were able to do that. They come in. They're spraying some shit on our yard. And Loki's just trotting around with him. So I, I texted Andrew. I was like, did you lock the gate? And he goes, yeah. And I just sent a screenshot of the landscaper next to Izzy in the back, or next to Loki in the backyard. And he's like, oh, shit. It's not his fault. He did what he was supposed to do. But I found a way to be pissed anyway. Because I just was like, what the hell? Basically locked the gate before they were actually gone. So anyway, that's what happened. And he was like, what a way to... He goes, well, now we know that Loki doesn't attack people. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what a way to find out. I would be concerned with the fact that the landscaper didn't have any pause with the fact that there was a lock on the gate and just went about it. Well, my guess is because we normally take the lock off and they had already been in there like literally 10 minutes before. So like, I'm sure he just knew that, Oh, we thought they were gone and like, whatever. But like, before we got this lock, I used to try all these different ways of locking the landscapers out of the backyard and they would get in. If there's a will, there's a way they would get in because they are paid by my landlord to do the property. So like, they're supposed to do it. There was like a whole thing. We're on a new landscapers. But anyway, 
the previous landscapers had left the gate open and Izzy got out. And luckily my neighbor saw her and put her back in the yard. But like Izzy doesn't go anywhere. But Loki, he would probably run. So that's why it's locked. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have a landscaper after that story. (laughs) But you don't even have grass. It's true. Something embarrassing happened last night. Tell me. So Kate and I went over to Devin's to watch the women's final game. I watched it. Devin is a big Iowa fan, loves Caitlin Clark. And she forgot to actually record the game. She worked while it was actually on. Now, we all knew the score, so we did not have any desire to actually watch it after that. So we decided to go to a place called Slurping Turtle in Easton. They serve ramen. Oh, I had ramen for dinner last night. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> we uh, were sitting there and we get, first of all, we thought it'd be smart to walk there. Uh, we grossly underestimated the, the length to walk. And Kate has a bad foot because of the missing toe bone. Right. Uh, so we get that. I actually rolled my ankle on the walk. <laughs> so we're both just kind of limping and Devin's is like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but we get there at like 845 and the place closes at nine and we feel bad, but we're like, we just fucking trekked six miles to get here. We're fucking eating. So they sit us at the bar and the bartender was really nice, very chatty. And it really threw me off how much he was talking to us because I was under the impression that he was going to be like, I want you guys in and out. But he was like just talking and talking. And somehow the topic of Pedro Pascal came up and he's like, I love Pedro Pascal. And Kate was like, who doesn't? And he's like, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm really looking forward to Andor so I can watch him. I love him. And without hesitation, I say, he's not in that. And Kate and Devin just stare at me. And I didn't realize why. And he's like, no, no, isn't he like the main guy? I'm like, that's Diego Luna. And he's just like, huh, I could have sworn it was him. I'm like, he's the Mandalorian, but he's not in Andor. I'm like, he's also in Last of Us. And then after a few minutes, he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And then Devin just starts talking to him about whatever. And I'm just staring at my my ramen and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a dickhead. Like the <laughs> the way that I like said it to him was just so condescending. So, you know, I tipped him well because I felt terrible. But as we're leaving, I, I just immediately said, to Devin and Kate, I was like, so I realized I sounded like an asshole. And they just both start ripping into me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you talk to him that way? And like the entire walk back. And I was just like, OK, well, you knowing me, I got defensive. And I was like, I don't think it really was that bad. Like I acknowledged I didn't sound great, but they were acting like I like insulted his firstborn. And they were like, no, it was bad. And I work in customer service and I've been on the phone with Kate times when I've interacted with uh, clients and stuff. And she's just like, you just have this tone about you. Like you just can't be bothered sometimes. And I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have great performance reviews. And she's like, you just sound inconvenienced. And maybe it's because I spend more time with you than the average person, but you, you just sound like a dick sometimes. And I was like, all right, Devin role play with me. How should we have done this? And she's like, Oh, I love Pedro Pascal. I'm going to watch Andor cause he's in it. And I said, He's not in that, you dumb fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized I was muted, but I did laugh at that. Uh, I was muted because the dogs are howling. But, you know, okay, 
I have two things to say to that. One, I wouldn't have said anything. If I knew the person I was talking to, I would have been like, he's not in that, you dumb fuck. But if it was a stranger, I would just agree with them. I would just be like, yeah. I Even though I've already watched all of Andor, I would just be like, me too. I will also watch that one day. And that guy's probably in it. And two, I would think about that moment for the rest of my life. I am currently trying to like talk myself down constantly over a small interaction that I had with someone doing my hair recently that I will never see this person again. It wasn't my normal hairdresser. It was like, I got, I had a spa day and part of the package was a blowout and the person doing my hair, we were talking about like where we've lived, blah, blah, blah. And I was talking about how Andrew's from Detroit and I was like, you know, he wants to live in Detroit, but downtown Detroit like freaks me out. And then she was talking about, oh yeah, Detroit is so bad. It's so bad. And then I was like, well, I mean, it's not like, not like Bakersfield's that much better. Like I was like, you know, I work in some areas that are like not great. And she was like, where do you work? And I was like, well, the east side, and I didn't get to specify where on the east side. The east side is a very big place. And she just goes, yeah, that's where I live. And her tone, I could tell I offended her. And I was like, <laughs> and then I tried to like talk my way out of it. Like, oh, yeah, I, I work all over and uh, da, da, uh, uh. oh, my God, I just felt horrible. And then the rest of the interaction was so awkward. And I think about it every night when I can't sleep. <laughs> So, yeah, I will say sometimes I think Kate is a little like you have to be nice to customer service. But I, sometimes I think she's like nice to a detriment. Like we went to Wendy's the other day and she she gets the Baconator fries and puts the ghost pepper ranch on it. And like it's make or break if there's no ghost pepper ranch. We're the only car there. We ask for it at the the order. You know, we. We don't check the bag because we're trusting. It's a slow night. Like, how could they possibly have screwed this up? Go around. No sauce. You got to check the bag. I know. I tell her, I'm like, there's no one here. No one got in line behind us. They they asked us to pull forward at the second window, despite no one being there. And I thought it was really weird. But I'm just like, just go back around and ask for the sauce. And she's just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. And I was like, she, first of all, this. The person was very rude to us. Like, I don't know why. They were just like, order at the window. They were just like, order. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and then they're just like, there you go. And I'm like, all right, rude. They forgot our sauce. Let's go back around and get it. And she's just like, ah, I don't know. And I'm just like, she's the one who fucked up. Why are we the ones to be punished? Do you want this sauce? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, then just go back around. So she goes back around. She gets it and she's like, that was the worst. We get home. She's doing her little happy dance while she's eating her Baconator fries and ghost pepper ranch. And I was like, was it worth it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and you didn't want to go back for the sauce. And I was like, and she was like, and I was like. Shut the hell up. (laughs) I don't know. The problem is when I tell a story, I catch myself doing that. And then I try not to, but I'm like, I just did it. How else do you tell a story? I legitimately do not know how to give dialogue in a story without saying. And I was like, and she was like, I give you crap for pointing it out. But when I edit the podcast, I edit out a lot of your likes because I'm just like, Lauren sounds like a five-year-old when she talks sometimes. You know, what's awful about that is dad the other day was like, 
Damn it. Now I'm going to hear it every time I say it. He goes, I've listened to your podcast. You say like a lot. So if you edit it out and dad still says I, that I say it a lot, that's really sad. Sometimes I just can't get a clean splice, but I do edit out a lot of them. I can't help it. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial girl. We all say like all the time. Didn't someone say you were a valley girl? <laughs> yeah, it was the same chick at the hair salon. It was, <laughs> it was the same girl. She said, you don't sound like you're from Ohio. You have a valley girl accent. I was like, no, I don't. So, yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And today we are covering season two, episode 12, Fire and Water. I hated this episode so much. Really? Now, I went through all of IMDb today, and this episode has the lowest rating. It's tied with another episode. It has a rating of 7.2. That's generous. Really? I'd give it a four. Wow. It was awful. You know, I thought it was, I, while I was watching it, I was like, I understand why people can hate it so much. But I don't know if I hate it that much. It's probably one of my least favorite episodes, but I don't know if it's terrible. It was terrible because I just feel like I need a reason for why he was doing that shit. What shit are you referring to, Lauren? I mean, let's get into the episode. Oh, you want a synopsis? Yeah. (laughs) That's not going to help with the statement I just made. Here's my synopsis. Charlie loses his sodding mind. (laughs) And that's it. Yeah, he really did go off the deep end. I've got quick bits. Yay. This episode was directed by Jack Bender. Now, that surprised me because he's directed some really good episodes. And then he's he's attached to this pile of crap. Yeah, but he didn't write it. He just directed it. True. Speaking of the rating, this episode was the first episode to receive an IMDb rating less than eight of the entire series. Now, I believe Anne Found has gone down below an eight since then, but this was the first one to start at below an eight. What's wrong with Anne Found? Why is it getting shitty rating? No idea. Probably just because it moves away from the Hatch storyline and just kind of like slows down season two a little bit. That's stupid. And lastly... In a Catholic baptism, a Catholic godparent is required during the ceremony. Only under extreme circumstances, such as an imminent death, would the requirement be waived. Claire and Aaron are baptized with no godparents. Moreover, Catholic doctrine forbids the baptism of an adult, such as Claire, unless they have professed faith in the best basic truths of Christianity. But Mr. Echo did not ask Claire anything about her beliefs. Therefore... This doesn't seem to be a legitimate baptism. I feel like we could let it slide for the circumstances. Look, I just needed a third quick bit. (laughs) Okay. So before we get into it, Lauren, in a coherent sentence, maybe like two to three likes. (laughs) Why do you not like this episode? Well, like, I don't like like it because like, um, okay. I think the main reason is that I just hate Charlie and it was a lot of attention on Charlie and it was a lot of attention on Charlie doing dumb shit, just really dumb shit. And typically when you have a centric, that character has some growth. He regressed hardcore. 
I don't necessarily think he grew much during his last centric either. Remember, he I killed don't... Ethan. <laughs> yeah. Charlie's the only one not growing around here. The thing is, I just was really frustrated the whole time. And, and the whole thing centered around the drugs. But as far as I understand, he never used. Nope. So... Why was he acting like such a maniac? That's why I don't understand. And I just feel like I need, like, oh, I said it. I said, like, (laughs) if it really is all just about Claire being mad at him, this was not the way to go about fixing that. I think he needs some island therapy courtesy of Libby. Well, the problem is, I believe a good portion of it was about Claire being mad at him, but also he legitimately thought Aaron was in danger. But if he knows that these are all dreams and he's had some experience with this whole concept of the Island just testing us, blah, blah, blah. I just don't understand why he had to go so crazy about it. Yeah, really. He towards the end there, he absolutely lost his mind, but the first instance of baby napping, I don't necessarily think is his fault. No, we'll I don't. And I, oh yeah, we'll get there before I, I was about to sling my thoughts at you. The episode starts off with little Charlie coming down the stairs on Christmas morning and Liam has all the presents. He asks which one is his and his mother shows him a big present. When he opens it, it's a piano. He hugs his mother and she calls him special, joining the other 50,000 people that have been called special on the show. There's a lot of special people on this show. And then his mother says that he will get them out of there. In the moment, I said, wow, that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. And then I quickly realized it was a dream. So I don't know if the dream was if that moment really happened. But if it did, wow, that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. She asks him to play a song, and then suddenly adult Liam tells him that he cannot save them if he doesn't play. Now, Charlie is also an adult, and his father is there working as a butcher and cutting the heads off dolls, saying music won't get him anywhere. He needs a trade. His mother and Liam keep telling Charlie to save them by playing, and then suddenly he is playing on the beach of the island. He stops when he hears Aaron crying from inside the piano. He tries to open it and stops when he hears the whispering coming from the jungle. The piano is knocked over and carried out to sea as Charlie calls for Aaron. Charlie then wakes up from the dream and runs down to the beach to Claire's tent, but they are not there. He runs to Sun, asking where Claire and Aaron are, and she points them out, saying that they are fine. And Charlie runs over to find Claire and Locke fawning over Aaron. And then Charlie recedes into the darkness, foreshadowing the rest of the episode. The other thing that I wanted to say about his little flashback slash dream is a direct quote from my notes would be, what in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are these accents? Awful. (laughs) No, they weren't great. I I just, music. You need a trade. It was the mom specifically that was like, it doesn't help that she's literally saying Charlie, but (laughs) I was just like, this is horrible seeing liam's actor like in tidy whitey sitting on the couch playing with voltron was hilarious the baby dolls really didn't like factor into the episode at all i think it was just fucking shock value it could be foreshadowing his fear of aaron being in danger Mm. 
Charlie gives Claire some clothes for Aaron and jokingly asks if Aaron has been asking about him. And Claire tells him to stop, causing Charlie to apologize, saying he should have told her about the drugs in the statue. And he wishes things were like they were before. Claire says that there was no before. They were strangers who survived a plane crash and became friends. And then Charlie asks if Locke is her friend now. Claire then asks him to give her space, and he says goodbye to Aaron. I'm very proud of Claire in this moment for just not engaging. I think it's weird to, like, she is insinuating that she's picking up on everything that's gone on where he has, like, some sort of romantic attachment to her. And she's saying, that's not what it was. We were friends. Like, we barely know each other. And he is responding with, but now Locke has replaced me. And it's just weird. Yeah, but the other thing I think is going on here, the underlying message for me, or maybe just what I wish she would have said, when he's like, I wish we could go back to what we were before. She's like, there was no before. Because there's before she found out the truth, but he was lying the whole time. So there really is no before. This has always been a relationship where he's lying. And the other thing is he is showing some serious red flags as far as the jealousy issues go. I wouldn't, I mean, like a friendship maybe, but he's clearly like overly attached to her and Aaron. So that's something she should avoid anyway. We got our first flashback. As Charlie looks at his newborn niece when Karen greets him, she says that she named her Megan after their mother. She asks where Liam is, and Charlie lies, saying he tried to make it, but due to no fault of his own, he got caught up, but he will be there soon. Karen asks if he is okay, and Charlie says he's great. He's a dad. And then back at, I assume it's Charlie's apartment, but it seems like a really nice apartment for a struggling band. I thought it was like their recording studio, but then later they're talking about like they're like there all the time. And yeah. So yeah, I guess there's it's also like no recording equipment. Yeah, well, I thought they were in like the hangout area. Yeah. I guess it would be his apartment, but also you could just assume that he bought it when they were doing well. Yeah. But Charlie finds a lit cigarette on the piano from Christmas, and Liam passed out after a night of drug use. Charlie wakes him up and starts the riot act, telling him about how Karen had the baby and how he covered for him. Liam says he needed to get right, but he left some for Charlie. So at this point, he is using. And Charlie tells him to get ready and go to the hospital. He has a daughter named after his mother and then tells Liam to get himself cleaned up. He's assaulting father now. The overattachment that you referenced earlier clearly comes from a point of jealousy with his brother. Is it that clear? Yeah. How? Well, for one, he's looking at his niece similar to how he would be if it were his kid. And then all in the past, even in the last couple episodes ago with Echo, he says, I wasn't always like this. It's my brother's fault. At the end of this episode, he's like, what about my family? He he clearly thinks that he should be the one that has the family, has things going well for him. Because his brother is the one who started them down the path of drug use and everything. And that's what he's trying to do with Claire and Aaron. He's having a surrogate family. I guess. On the island, as Kate helps Sawyer do his exercises, Hurley asks how well he got to know the tailies. I wanted to punch you when they said that. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that might be the only time they actually say the word on the show. (laughs) You're such a dick. 
Hurley says that Libby seems all right. Sawyer teases him for his crush, and Hurley runs off. Kate tells him that he's acting like a teen, and Sawyer doubles down by commenting on Jack and Ana Lucia walking out of the jungle together. He asks Kate what he thinks they are doing, insinuating that they might have been hooking up, and Kate tells him to just do his exercises. What are your thoughts on love triangles in general? Not this specific love triangle, but a love triangle and a story. Love them. Really? Yeah. Why? Tension. I like tension. I like I like stress. I don't want it to be easy. And I typically, like, I, I, I guess I don't have enough evidence to say this for, for certain, but typically I disagree with people on, like, who should be chosen in a love triangle. And the Please. only example I have of that is, like, during the whole Hunger Games phenomenon, I was Team Gale and everyone else is Team Peta. And I actually think if I were to reread the books, I would be Team Peta now. But as a as a kid, I was Team Gale. You might not like this, but Charlie and Gale are very similar, in my opinion. I don't really remember anything about Gale. Gale there's that moment in Catching Fire where Gale kisses Katniss and says, I needed to do that at least once. Yeah, and as a middle schooler, I loved that. I have issues with love triangles at times, and perhaps the most famous love triangle of them all. Bella just needed to make a decision with Edward and Jacob because she just kept both of them on the hook for a very long time, and it was quite annoying. And one could argue that she did make a decision very early on, and Jacob just did not listen. So instead, he hooked up with her daughter. I was always team Edward. Always. Uh, I thought that she was just very good friends with Jacob and he was reading it the way that he wanted to read it. He was very like pushy. And I'm not saying that Bella had to just flat out be like, this isn't happening because like she shouldn't have to do that. But at times when it was just causing so much tension amongst the three of them, when they were trying to get the mission accomplished, I was like, it would be really beneficial if she could just draw the line in the sand and be like, Jacob friend zone. At one point, at least in the movie, she was like, I'm Switzerland. I'm like, no, you're literally dating one of them. Yeah. But that's the whole thing is she's literally dating one of them. Jacob should have just understood that. Yeah. Jacob was a creep. Yeah. So it was Gail. So it was Charlie. Sure. Now here's a question. You only know my opinion about, this love triangle, but you say you generally disagree with me. Do you think if you heard a bunch of other people's opinions, you would lean one way or the other, or you just skate all the way? I just don't like Jack. It has nothing to do with your opinion. And and I wasn't even talking about this, this love triangle. I was just talking, I was honestly only talking about the Hunger Games situation. But I would say, just from what I know about Jack and Sawyer, I'd say most people would be like, Jack's the better option as far as just like, He's a better person. He's got a lot going for him. He's not a murderer, as far as we know. I just like Sawyer better. It's interesting that you say, I just don't like Jack. You've never really given me the impression that you like Kate very much. That's the funniest part. I don't I don't need to like Kate to be invested in this situation. If something better comes along for Sawyer, yeah, I'll kick Kate to the curb. Because <laughs> I'm not interested in her happiness. I'm interested in his happiness and if if his happiness is kate then that's what i'm here for but if eventually if it's a situation where like it's him and kate or him and someone else fuck kate 
oh, we're going to need some more women on the island. Yeah, but you never know. Like, maybe Ani Lucia is not such a bitch. Like, I could kind of see them. I think they're too much to be together. Maybe, I don't know. Charlie plays his guitar that he just cannot seem to get into tune when he hears the baby crying again. He sees Aaron floating out to sea and he calls for help. He eventually goes in himself. At this point, you should know it's not a dream because remember, he can't swim. I don't remember that. I don't think the writers do either. He gets to the cradle and brings Aaron to shore. He picks up Aaron when he suddenly sees Claire and his mother dressed like angels, telling him that Aaron is in danger and he has to save him. The beachcraft crashes into the jungle and the background and a white dove flies toward Charlie. Aaron continues to cry when Hugo walks out of the jungle dressed in robes and asks what he is doing. Charlie wakes up from another dream when Hurley asks him why he has the baby. Charlie realizes that he was sleepwalking and took Aaron. Claire screams that Aaron is gone and Hurley calls out that they're over by the water. The entire camp arrives and Claire takes Aaron as Charlie apologizes, but Claire slaps him and she and Kate walk away, leaving Charlie stunned. Here's the thing. I would have slapped him too. It's a huge misunderstanding, but she did. I mean, is it really a misunderstanding? I would have slapped him too, but I did kind of feel bad for him in this moment. Like, it's not like it's not his fault. Like, I still hate it. It's not his fault, though. He was sleepwalking and he needs to see a therapist or a priest. I don't know. Or both. Well, he's got both of them on the island. I know. Instead, you know, we'll get there. Do you have any good sleepwalking stories? I've never sleepwalked in my life. Sleptwalk? Sleepwalkapotami. Um, you sleep talk, though. And one time I was walking past your room at night and you went, yes, I have an ultra lab. <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember that. I'll never forget it. I was hoping you remember the story that I'm about to tell. So now I have to tell it from my memory of you telling me because I don't remember it. But you told me that one time you heard me. <laughs> I remember okay, this. okay. I don't remember what happened though. You tell me the story, then I'll correct okay. you. My understanding was first you saw me just walking down the upstairs hallway and asked if I was going to get some water, and I said, "No, I'm just going for a walk." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I remember. Remember being like, I think what I remember is that I watched you walk by and then you walked by again or something like that. And that's why I got up and was like, are you like, what are you doing? Are you going to get some water? And you just like looked at me so blank and you were like, I'm just going for a walk. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you were sleepwalking. I forgot about that. Now, I've had some times where I've woken up in places that like I wasn't to start. And I'm like, is this sleepwalking or is this one of those instances where you just like wake up and have no memory of it. Like, I remember one time waking up to dad standing over me while I was sitting in the recliner downstairs. And I was he was like, go to bed. And I was like, I have no idea how I got here. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't have anything like that. I feel like I'm a pretty normal sleeper. I titled this scene Sawyer is busting just because I thought it was funny. Busting? Yeah, because they're playing blackjack. Oh. OK. It's not that funny. Hurley and Sawyer are playing blackjack with Dharma initiative cards when Sawyer sees Libby gearing up to do some laundry. He tells Hurley to make his move, and Hurley says he's waiting for his moment. Sawyer tells him that his moment is now and calls for Libby before disappearing into his tent. And Libby looks up and sees Hurley, and they exchange little smiles. 
Nice of Sora to play Wingman. Yeah. Why do you think he's so invested in that? I don't think he's actually invested. I still don't really see it as playing Wingman. I think he's shit-stirring. I also think he's just entertaining himself. Yeah, it's probably boring. He's probably read everything. Yeah. Charlie waits outside the swan's back door for Locke and asks to talk to him. Charlie asks if he heard about the previous night, and Locke says yes. Charlie tells him that he was sleepwalking, and Locke asks what he wants. He says he wants Locke to speak to Claire on his behalf. And Locke straight up asks him if he has been using. Charlie tells him that Kate saw a horse and Shaid saw Walt walking around the jungle. Shaid? Yeah, Shaid oh, and Saeed. Oh, the couple name. Yeah. I thought you were just butchering Saeed's no. name. No. My OTP. Yeah, whatever. I'm kidding. Uh, they saw Walt walking around the jungle, but he must be using drugs for him acting weird. Locke asks him again, and Charlie tells him that he and Echo burned the plane and the heroin. Locke asks if it's all gone, and Charlie says yes. And then Locke tells him that trust is hard to win back, and Claire needs some time. You mentioned before that you understand he didn't use, but did at any point in this episode you thought he was going to use or was using? Honestly, no. There was only one point later on that he truly does look like he looked way previous in like the first season when he was going through withdrawals. And I thought, did he? And they're just like not making it obvious enough. But no, I never really thought that he would. I thought that the whole point was they want us to think that. Not even later on when he was like just staring at the the two baggies of his hand. No, I actually wrote in my notes at that exact scene. I said that he's not going to do it. I said he's just torturing himself, but I don't think he'll do it. In the next flashback, Driveshaft is preparing for a diapers commercial, but Liam is all sorts of fucked up. Charlie tells Liam to get it together because they need this, and they start rolling, but Liam is too out of it to get the choreography down and falls over. The director pulls the plug, and Charlie tries to talk him out of it, and we learn that they were only hired as a favor. The director then tells Charlie to ditch Liam, but Charlie tells him that that is his brother, so the director fires him and slams the door. As they were gearing up for this whole thing, I was like, oh, we're finally going to hear a different song. Even though I knew that you told me there was only one song, but I was like, it's a diaper commercial. And and then there it is. The same fucking song. Well, it wasn't exactly the same. Okay, yeah, they changed one word. But think about it. They were going to continue on with the lyrics before... And they yelled cut. How does that, how is that a diaper commercial? It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Well, it might've been like the song plays and then cut the song, except for like the music in the background. And then like a voiceover is like, Oh, buddy's diapers has all sorts of absorbent material and blah, 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 comfortable for the baby. Not the actual song played the entire time. You know, like how commercials work. Yeah, I understand that, but they were singing the lyrics, not them. It was like, Playing over. Yeah, I, I I get that. But if that's all that would play is the is the music and not the actual lyrics, then okay, right. But like the lyrics play and then they stop the lyrics and have the music. I continue. get that. But the one line that they said makes no sense in a diaper commercial. Okay, yeah, but you are every butties. It's a pun. And then they say that what the next line, the only other line that we know, it makes no sense. It's stupid. This sh- this episode was stupid. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics playing. I thought it was just the you all, everybody's ever. They over start over. to say the next sentence, like, all you stupid something. Like, how is that a diaper commercial? Maybe it's wearing your fancy diapers. I, can Let's move on. 
What were your thoughts on Charlie's loyalty to his brother? As he should. You are just in a chipper mood. This episode sucked. Don't make this episode suck. I'm trying my best. Be a little more lively. As he should. On the island, Libby and Hurley are doing laundry. When Libby asks if the washer and dryer are newer than the rest of the equipment. Hurley says it washes clothes and that's all he needs to know. And Libby appreciates him for keeping it simple. She shows him a new top and asks if it would look good on her. And Hurley does not answer, but just stares at her. She tells him that she was looking for validation, but Hurley asks if he knows her from somewhere. Libby has him turn around while she changes and tells him a story of him running onto the plane in a sweaty mess and stepping on her foot. She tells him to turn around, showing off the top, and he says that she looks awesome. Do you buy this? She's a flirt. Like, mm, almost seems too easy. Not the relationship. Her story. Oh. <laughs> um. Why wouldn't I? Well, what do we oh, know about the show? <laughs> oh, he's in the back of the plane. No, she was in the back of the plane. And he was not in the back of the plane. So that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why would she make that up, though? She no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> there were details that were accurate. He did run onto the plane last and he wasn't yeah. mess. But why would she make that up? That's dumb. Maybe because they do know each other from somewhere, but she doesn't want him to know. So she's just making up this story so that he he, he goes, Oh yeah, that's where I know her from. But it must be something else. Something that she doesn't want him to remove. We'll see. But going back, you said it's a little too easy. Do you like not like them together? Do you think that she's just flirting? Or do you think she actually likes him? I, I don't know. I need to see more. I just feel like she's a flirt. Charlie finds Echo marking trees. And Echo says that he likes these trees. Before we go any further, why do you think he was doing that? No idea. What a weird... I, I need... No idea. Am I supposed to know? No, but you, you, you're just coming at me with these in-depth theories today. <laughs> Sorry, I can't have, like, a crazy answer for everything. You, one thing would be nice. I just gave you a more in-depth answer literally right before this. I mean, yeah, it was basically just like, oh, she must... You didn't give me, like, a hypothesis on what it might be. Oh, my God. It's just move on. You're annoying me. You gave me the general reason someone would lie. Well, he doesn't want because I didn't even realize that that was an issue until you said it right then and there. I don't have time to come up with these outlandish theories. And every time I do come up with a specific theory, it's just some made up bullshit that I come up with, like the polar bear farm. King, that's a a good theory. (laughs) Whatever. See, like it's never real. You've had good theories, though. Some that you've just, like, offhandedly said and have been right. I can't force it, though. It, it has to come to me naturally. It's not coming to me. Charlie asks if Echo told Locke about his gifted statue, and Echo says no. And Charlie says Locke is a bald wanker who always knows something. That would be a good title for a biography about Locke. I like how Charlie is just trying to be mad at anybody else. Mad at Echo for potentially telling Locke that he has a statue. Mad at Locke for somehow knowing. Why do you have them, Charlie? Get rid of them, and then you wouldn't have to feel so guilty about it. 
Echo asks if everything is okay, and Charlie says that he is losing his mind. Echo asks why he thinks that, and Charlie tells him about the dreams. Aaron being in danger, the dove, and Claire and his mother as angels. Echo asks him if he's ever considered these dreams meaning something, and he asks what if Charlie does need to save Aaron. Thoughts on Echo's interpretation of the dreams and I think he should not be encouraging Charlie. Maybe he just doesn't know Charlie well enough the way I know Charlie. He shouldn't be doing that. Bad idea. Could only go horribly wrong, and it did. It went worse than I even expected. Charlie runs to Claire's tent, and Kate tries to stop him. He shouts to Claire that Aaron is in danger, and he has been having dreams, but they need to baptize Aaron. He tells her that Echo is a priest, and Kate literally pushes Charlie away from the tent, but Charlie tries to fight through her. Down the beach aways, Locke watches the madness, and the music and the camera angles make Locke look like a badass, in my opinion. Okay. Charlie seriously lacks impulse control. It's horrible to watch. And that was my reaction. I think it's funny that you say he lacks impulse control when he is a recovering drug addict. Yeah. Okay. This is another obvious statement by Lauren today. (laughs) Jack gives Ana Lucia a tarp for when it rains. Just another tarp. So, and that was a fresh tarp. That tarp hadn't been used anywhere. That was like brand new out of the package. Bright blue, no dirt. I always wonder why the new people were making tarps. Like Boone and Shannon's tents have to be available. Like Michael's not there. Arts blew up. There should be some tents available. Yeah, but maybe as soon as those people were out of the picture, the scavengers just came in and said, well, I've got a leaky tarp. Yeah, exactly. And so they just take it. I do think it's funny that he's like, for when it rains, if it were me, I'd be like, you got any Kevlar? Okay. Because bad things happen when it rains. Oh, I would just take the tarp. I don't like to be wet. As they assemble the new tent, she asks what happened in the jungle the night before. She asks what made them turn around, and Jack tells her about Kate being in danger. Jack, nope. Anna asks if Jack is hitting that because they're both hot, and Jack says no. A little bi icon, Ana Lucia. Saying that another woman is hot does not make you bi. I know, this show just needs a little more diversity. (laughs) Trying to think of a single character who's a little little on the LGBT side. I was like, if somebody in this show was going to be bi, who would it be? Hard to say, though. I'm going to go with Anna. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I don't think so, though. No? I don't really know of anyone. No. Charlie. Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of which, Charlie goes out to his stash in the jungle and picks up one of the statues out of his stash. He drops on the ground and breaks it open, picking up two baggies of heroin. Did you feel bad for him at all in this moment? Like, he just, like, has the face of desperation. No, not even a little bit. All I could think of was, Locke is 100% going to catch him, or he's watching him right now. But before that, we get a flashback. Where Charlie works on a new song. So see, they can write too. Hmm. And Liam comes in telling him that Karen kicked him out because he dropped Megan. Charlie tells him that it's okay. And Liam says that he has no money or anything. And Charlie tells him that they will get through this because he is writing again. It's like this man is in like a full downward spiral. It's like, don't worry. I got half a song. The new song is about two brothers. Liam says that they should have just been butchers. And Charlie begins to play the song 
Liam likes what he hears and says that it could work. They could write like they did all night in the old days. And Charlie is on board, but the moment is ruined when Liam asks if he has any drugs. Yeah, I definitely, when he said, we could stay up all night and write, like, I knew he was going to be like, but we're going to need some drugs to stay up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe not heroin. That's a bit of a downer. Is it? I don't know anything about heroin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've watched Breaking Bad. You just kind of pass out, don't you? Also, in this literal episode, Charlie found Liam passed out with his, like, needle in his arm. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I just, I'm not, I'm not too privy on the, on the drugs. You think that song was any good? It was better than the other one. <laughs> but it was okay. I like slower songs, though. Yeah. I don't know what they would have called it. He says funny how twice, so I thought that was what the title would be, but, like... We can be saved was like the defining line. You only heard like two lines. How would you possibly name a song from that? You all, everybody has six lines and this song has about the same. You annoy me today. On the island, Locke appears saying he is disappointed in Charlie. Charlie asks if he was following him and then tells him that he has the wrong idea. I love that he's like, are you following me? As if he wasn't just like caught right there. Like what what was like to me, it's like when you see on a TV show, someone like catches their significant other cheating or even in real life, someone catches their significant other cheating. It's like, well, why were you going through my phone? It's like probably because you gave them a reason to think something was up. It's like, is it a violation of privacy? Yes. But like that should not be the question. Yeah, it's just he's just deflecting from the actual issue at hand. Yeah, which he does pretty much with every single person. Locke says that he lied about destroying the statues. And Charlie says that he came to finish the job. Locke says that it is convenient now that he found them and begins to pack them into his bag, saying there was a time that he allowed him to make the decision for himself, but now he is doing it for him. Charlie then tells him that he will destroy them now. Do you think he actually went there to finish the job? I think that's what he intended. But I don't, if Locke hadn't caught him, would he have gone through with it? Don't know. He asked Locke to remember the talks that they had about the island testing them. And he says that this is his test. That's why they are there. But Locke says that the statues are there because he put them there. Charlie asked Locke if he's going to tell Claire. He says that if she knew, Claire would never trust him again. And she has to so they can save Aaron. He tells Locke he has to believe him. But Locke says he has given up the right to be believed. And leaves him. Why do you think Locke doesn't agree with him that this is his test? Because of exactly what Locke said. He brought those drugs there and put them in that thing. The test could be, oh, the the plane full of it. But him taking it from that area, putting his own little stash, he did that to himself. It's not a test. A failure of the test. Yeah, well, not all the way. He didn't use the drugs. I mean, Locke doesn't know that for certain, but yeah, I just, Locke said it pretty well. Were you surprised at all by Locke's actions in this episode? No. Do you think it's possible that had it not been for Boone's death, Locke would have entertained this conversation a little bit more? Because there seems to be a legitimate threat to Aaron based off of Charlie's behavior. And that might make him be a little more cautious on the destiny talk after Boone died. 
I think that the only reason that we think there's a legitimate threat is because we have fully seen it from Charlie's perspective. We've seen the dream and we've seen all of that. I don't think Locke actually thinks there's a legitimate threat. And I don't really think Boone's death has anything to do with this. When I said legitimate threat, I meant Charlie. Oh, well, then I'm confused by your question. The, the combination of Charlie seeming to be a threat and Boone actually dying because of Locke believing in the whole destiny, dreams, and all that thing. Do you think that is the reason why Locke was like, I'm not entertaining this destiny talk right now? Not really. I think that Locke just thinks that Charlie's out of his mind. But we're talking about the same person that kidnapped Boone and tied him up in jungle and left him out there with and drugged him up. Because Locke thought that he was being rational. No, I don't. My answer is no. Claire finds Locke filling his water and she asks if she and Aaron can move to the hatch. Locke warns her about the alarm and offers to move to her tent for a few nights, which she accepts. She asks if he knows anything about baptism, telling him about what Charlie said about Aaron being in danger. And Locke tells her that he understands baptism is spiritual insurance. and There is not any danger and that Charlie feels he has to save Aaron because he cannot save himself. While he's telling her this, he looks at the statues in his bag and hesitates, but does not show them to her. Why do you think that is? I think because that's a dick move and also it probably would have just like upset Claire even more. And like, I think maybe Locke is thinking he's probably not 100% certain Charlie has actually used the drugs. So he's not just going to blow his shit up, you know? Why do you think Locke is playing this fatherly role to Claire? We know why Claire would latch on to him. She has issues from her father, from her childhood with her father. But why do you think Locke is so eager to play his side of it? I don't think he's that eager. I think it's just kind of a role he has found himself in. And he likes to be helpful. And he likes to give people guidance. And this is his new little pet project because he doesn't have Boone anymore. Enough for him to move away from the button? Yeah. Later at night, Charlie lights a fire in the jungle in the dry brush. He returns to camp, ignoring Saeed's request for help with something. Not sure what that was. But Saeed notices the bad CGI fire and raises the alarm, afraid it will burn through the camp. Saeed, Locke, Jin, and Sawyer spring into action, forming a bucket brigade, Meanwhile, Claire watches from her tent and Charlie approaches. We get a flashback of Charlie returning to his apartment to find his piano and some of his furniture gone. Liam appears packing his stuff and tells him that he sold the piano. Charlie asks where the money went and asks if he has already used drugs that he bought with it. And Liam tells him that he has been clean for two days. He tells Charlie that Karen was going to leave him and take Megan... So he sold the piano for money to move his family to Sydney, where Karen's uncle would get him a job and he would check into rehab. He says he had to do this for his family, and Charlie says that he is Liam's family. He asks for Liam to wait, and what about the band, and what about the song? And Liam tells him to understand, and that he will call him when things settle down. And Charlie asks, what about my family, as Liam leaves? Charlie's such a dick. Okay. How is that? How could you possibly be shocked that that's my reaction to that scene? I mean, Liam did sell his heirloom. Yeah, okay, fine. That's wrong. Like, that's not okay. 
But when I was watching it, I was thinking, wow, you know, if he had just told Charlie that this is what he wanted to do, I'm sure Charlie would have helped him come up with the money. But that's not how Charlie reacted at all. Charlie only wants his brother to get clean if it benefits him. Like, how could that possibly be his reaction to this situation? I mean, he wants to get clean for his family, for his wife and child. And Charlie's like, what about me? What about me? I'm your family. What about the band? The band that's going nowhere. The band that is the reason that they're both on drugs. Right. Now, I do. There was signs of that in the last flashback when Liam said, we should have just been butchers. And Charlie's like, no, this is going to work. Also, when he's like, I dropped my daughter and my wife just kicked me out. And he's like, well, don't worry about that. I've got this new song. Everything's going to be okay. However, I do think Charlie was allowed to be a little upset and maybe thinking more about his side of things in this moment. We are talking about a situation where his brother stole his piano, sold it, which was in a way his livelihood, because that is like what he's doing with the band and is also leaving. So like from a certain perspective, he is leaving him for his new family with nothing but no piano and a drug addiction that he kind of gave him. Okay. His brother did not give him the drug addiction. And two, yes, From I his agree. Perspective. I, okay, I get that. But you're saying that we should be okay with Charlie being mad because of that. I think, yeah, sure, be mad about the piano. Like, that's a really shitty thing to do. But bigger picture, he was yelling at him about the wrong things. He also Sympath- was saying, like, I'm your family. Like, why not? Why can't Charlie go with Charlie will also need a job. Charlie also needs to get clean. That is not how adulthood works. Like what, what Liam has his own together. They have not like it's not like, oh, they had a thriving career and all of a sudden Liam left. Like they have been in the gutters this whole like for a while. I don't think Liam owes anything to Charlie. He needs to take care of his family, the family that he created And he needs to take responsibility, and that's what he's trying to do. The only thing that I think Charlie has the right to be mad about in this situation is that he sold the piano. That's really shitty. And, yeah, I guess you can be mad about him up and leaving, but I just i am not okay with the fact that Liam is trying to do something for his family, and Charlie is just like, oh, I don't give a fuck about them. What about me? Well, he's doing it for his family, but also he's doing it just selfishly for him. Karen was going to leave and take Megan. He would have been out of the equation in that scenario. Okay, but is that like, if that's the argument you're going to use to call him selfish, can't we say that everything is selfish? Every single action that we ever do is selfish. So yeah, I'm not going to say that in a negative way. My point is, (laughs) I don't know why you're rolling your eyes at me. Because like, I disagree with you, which is fine, but like you're being annoying about it. Okay. I don't understand how I'm being annoying about it. I'm just expressing my opinion and backing it up with things that happened on the show. I don't even remember what the original point was, but at one point you said we you're saying we should be okay with Charlie being upset. I am okay with Charlie being upset for more than just the piano. His brother abandoned him by stealing from him. And I said that that's fine. My issue with it is that the way that Charlie is getting mad is saying, what about us? What about I'm your family? What about the band? Blah, blah, blah. Like he's just not seeing the bigger picture. I think my problem with it is that this whole time he's been like, 
get your act together. You have a family. Like he said that to Liam. And then Liam does that. And Charlie has a problem with it because it's not going to benefit him because his version of getting his act together is not, let's continue this lifestyle of being on the road and having this band and all this stuff. It's just when it doesn't benefit Charlie, Charlie's mad about it. And I'm, everything I'm saying is backed up by previous episodes where Charlie doesn't get his life together. He goes and visits Liam and he's pissed at him for having a successful life. I do. I feel like we're both right. And I feel like it's more in the middle than what we're saying. It's not a right or wrong situation. And this is my opinion. And that's your opinion. It's not we're not wrong or right. All right. Last thing I'm going to say. Oh, my God. If he had just up and left in that way, I feel like Charlie would have been mad selfishly. But he probably would have been less mad than the piano selling. Had he just sold the piano and not up and left, he obviously would have been mad because that's his piano and it's from his mother and his parents aren't around anymore. But it's the fact that he is looking out for himself by royally screwing him over that it just make it like a double sting. Yeah, sure. And I've already said that. But it's not like Charlie was going to make it big. The thing about the piano is that that's just shitty. That's just a really shitty thing to do. And no one is disagreeing with you on that front. I just had other points. But you think that because I have other points that I don't think the piano just, thing is bad. I just don't necessarily think Liam should have left him behind. Like there is some I responsibility think, that Liam has about what happened to Charlie. Not really. No. Charlie's an adult. Charlie made his own decisions. Charlie sat there and told Liam not to do it, then ended up doing it anyway. It's like the classic, if you see everybody jumping off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge too. No, but after someone... You tell someone, hey, don't jump off that bridge. And they say, this bridge is the only thing that we have. And you're a pathetic piece of shit. Like, remember that whole outburst that he had in the moth? Like, basically saying that you're nothing driving him to that point of lowness? Hey, he was an addict at that time. Like, look, no, I I don't think that Liam is in the wrong for doing what was right for him. For getting out of that situation, for doing what was right for his family, I don't think he was in the wrong. That was a failed band. It's not like that was a make or break situation where Charlie would have had a really successful life had they stayed. That band had already failed. Right. And had it not been his brother, I would 100% agree with you. But I do feel that family has some sort of responsibility for each other. He left his brother to go get himself better when he could have also helped Charlie. He was not in a place in his life or a mindset in which he could think I should be helping myself and Charlie at the same time. Later on, once Liam does is clean and he's got his act together, he does offer to help Charlie. After we Charlie see seeks it. him out. Okay. But we don't know that that hasn't, that wasn't the first offer. We have no idea what happened before that, but we see him offer help and Charlie decline it. Sorry, I I just All I'm saying is that if I ever stole your piano, I would at least buy you a plane ticket too. If you you have no idea if you would, because in that situation, you're two days clean from a heroin addiction, which would mean you're going through withdrawals. You're not going to be in your right mind. You cannot say how you would act in that situation. So you're saying that he's not in his right mind. However... It was the right call. No, I'm not saying, oh my God, Zane. I can, okay. Actually, yeah. 
just because he wasn't in his right mind doesn't mean that that's not the right decision. And he obviously didn't come to that decision on his own. That was something that was decided between him and his wife with a newborn baby. They made that decision. This is the best thing for their family. Yeah, I think that's the right decision. I don't think that he was in the place to be thinking about Charlie. And his wife probably wasn't thinking about Charlie either. That's not her responsibility. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Good to know that you hate me. The camp continues to work on the fire as Charlie grabs Aaron out of the crib, but Claire sees him. He runs to the shoreline as Claire calls for help, and Locke hears this and runs after them. Charlie says he wants to save Aaron, and Locke tells him to give him the baby. Everyone is now watching this go down. Apparently the fire was put out, and Charlie pleads to Echo to support him, but Echo tells him that this is not the way. Locke again tells Charlie to give Aaron to him, and Charlie asks who the hell Locke is. He was not there for Aaron when he was born, nor taken, and he is not his father or his family. And Locke simply says that neither is he. Charlie looks to Claire and says that he needs to do this and he will not hurt Aaron, but Claire says that he is hurting her. Locke slowly approaches, and Charlie hands him to Locke, who passes him over to Claire, and Charlie starts apologizing as Kate walks her away, but Locke kicks the shit out of Charlie's ass and knocks him into the water. Everyone turns their back on Charlie's, both physically and metaphorically, leaving him alone. You know what? This whole thing when he kicks the shit out of him, like in really early on episodes, we were having the discussion of how do you handle like justice on this island? I think they figured it out. Locke just beats the shit out of him. Justice. (laughs) Yeah. Thoughts on the baby napping? I was just beyond frustrated because at that point, I'm like, why? I have no, this is where it just it completely lost me. I already didn't like the episode. It completely lost me. I was over it. I just think it was stupid. It was really stupid. I didn't, what did he think he was going to do? Charlie was going to baptize the baby? He's not a priest. Like, that's what's so annoying about this. I just, I understand that the whole point is that he's not thinking logically, but like, I just, I was so frustrated. Your reaction to when Locke took those swings. Do it again. Hit him again. No, not shocked at all when it happened. No, I actually think I went, wow. Like I was shocked. And then I was like, no, nah, actually hit him again. <laughs> it was subtle, but Kate was protecting Claire a lot this episode. Did you have any reaction to that? They seem a little closer than normal. Or was it just because she helped deliver Aaron that they're like bonded? No, I just, I didn't have any reaction at all to it. How are you feeling about Claire these days? At the time of recording, you just said pass instead of smash. So are you just not liking Claire? Just because I wouldn't bang someone doesn't mean I don't like them. Uh, I don't know. Claire's fine. I honestly just, whatever. I've had a dollar for every time she went, someone took my baby. I can't do her accent. You have that $3. Was, yeah, it's too many times. You know what? At People need point, to stop kidnapping her baby. I know, but you know what's annoying? It's like... Say his name. I okay, don't know. Well, I feel like saying my baby puts a little more like direness in the situation. I know. I think it's just because I've heard it too many times. Like I'm over it. I'm sick of hearing that someone took your baby. Writers are like, we really got to figure out a new plot to this child. Yeah. Like if that's all the baby's there for, it's like 
you're not a girl, so you probably didn't have this life experience. But like, as a girl, when I would play like make believe with my friends, like the only thing, like it was just a bunch of filler until one of us was like on the brink of death. And then like, we had to like save each other from the brink of death, but that's all we would do over and over again is we would just be like, I'm going to die. And then we'd have to like (laughs) save each other. And it was like, it was just like a, a race to be like, who could pretend to die first? Like that's, is, isn't that just what television is? Filler yeah, until essentially. It's like the whole plot of uh, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Jack finds Charlie sitting on the beach and looks at his face. He tells him that he needs stitches. And as he works on his face, Charlie tells him that he started the fire, which Jack says he knew. Charlie tries to explain himself, but Jack interrupts and tells him that he needs to know that he will never do anything like that again. Charlie says that he knows no one will believe him, but he didn't use. He wanted to, but he didn't. And Jack tells him that isn't what he was asking. And Charlie says it won't happen again. And then Jack stitches up his face. At this point, was there any sympathy for Charlie or was he just like, no? No, not even a little bit. Is he past the point of no return? I think this is rock bottom. I I have to think this is rock bottom. If it's not, oh God, you just made a face. It's not rock bottom. I think there is like one more thing that he does. Oh my God. I'm so sick of him. Like, I'm so sick of him. Like, I just feel like he has to, he has to get better or kill him. (laughs) I don't care, but something has to happen. This is why I'm always hesitant to tell someone like, oh, it can't get any worse. Because I'm like, I feel like it could. I feel like there is a way that that things could get worse. Well, okay. So like a quick little story. Um, I went to Channel Islands National Park with Andrew and his parents. And his dad chose the hike that we were going to go on. And he gave us like a rough estimate for how long this hike was going to be. But it was a very rough estimate. And... As it got longer and longer and it was so hot, there were a lot of false peaks. And every time we would get to one, like we were about to, we'd be like, oh, this is probably the end. And his dad would go, we couldn't possibly get any higher. And then we would get to the peak and we'd turn and we'd realize that we were in fact going to get higher. But then it started to become like a joke. Every time we'd get to a peak, we'd be like, well, we couldn't possibly go any higher. We ended up hiking over 10 miles that day, um, and we didn't mean to do that. And we all wanted to kill him. But <laughs> when you said it couldn't possibly get any worse, that's what I thought of. Like, it couldn't possibly get any higher. We just, <laughs> just kept getting higher. At any point where you're like, we got to turn around? <laughs> well, no, because the whole thing was a big loop. Ah, uh, Okay. I do think that Charlie has this annoying habit of someone asking him like an important or serious question. And he kind of like answers it with something that is not relevant, but like really personal. And then the person immediately is just like, no, like what's the answer? I just think he has an annoying habit of being annoying. (laughs) Claire finds echo amongst the burnt trees and asks him about him being a priest. Claire says that, Charlie told her that Aaron needs to be baptized, and Echo said that he did not tell Charlie to do what he did, apologizes for any miscommunication. She asks if he thinks Aaron should be baptized, and he asks her if she knows what baptism is. She says it's what gets you into heaven. 
And Echo tells the story of Jesus's baptism and how a dove flew down from the sky and how it supposedly cleansed him from sin and freed him. Uh, I, in my research for this episode, I did find that that apparently is like not accurate for most Christian beliefs. Apparently it was just like Jesus never sinned, but I don't know, it was poetic for the, for the episode. Well, I guess I'm, I'm not religious. The, the, the idea of baptism, especially for an infant is it's cleansing you of original sin, the sin that we're all born with. I thought Jesus dying did that. I think that also had to do with something to do with that. Um, Jesus died for our sins. I've heard that before, but look, I don't fucking know. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure baptism is original sin as when you're an infant, obviously an infant hasn't sinned. Right. Let's not revisit this on flashbacks. No, I don't want to get into it. It's not my area of expertise. Claire reveals that she has not been baptized and asks that if they were both to die, if Aaron is baptized, does that mean they would not be together? And Echo says that he will baptize them both. We get a quick little montage as the episode ends with Locke resetting the gun combination, Echo baptizing Aaron and Claire on the beach, Locke placing the Virgin Mary statues on a shelf in the gun locker and closing it. And at night, Charlie sits by the fire alone and raises his hood, finally completing the prophecy of joining the dark side of the force. Okay. Um, one, uh, no, two things. First is I was like, what's the point of keeping the drugs? Like, why not just get rid of them? That seems pretty dumb to me. And two, when he put the hood back on, I was like, oh, shit. He's like completely reversed the metamorphosis that he had in the moth. That's pretty shitty. So, yeah. Couple questions here for you. Goody. Do you think Aaron was actually in in any danger other than Charlie? No. Even though the island was telling Charlie that he was in danger? Uh, The only evidence that I have to say that that actually was island induced and not just Charlie having a fever dream is the whispering. Because I don't know if Charlie has experienced the whispering. He has not. That's that is the only thing that makes me question. Maybe there was something going on. Do I think Aaron being baptized will erase that threat? No, not really. So if there was a threat, There's still a threat. Let's say that it was the island warning him. Why do you think there was no warning when Rousseau was going to kidnap Aaron or that Walt was in danger? Not specifically to Charlie, but any warning at all. Maybe there was, but other people aren't just batshit crazy and like using their dreams to run around and kidnap babies. Scott just wakes up. That was a weird dream. He was like, oh, that was weird, but I'm not going to do anything. Scott's dead. God damn it. (laughs) Oh, Steve, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. I I have no idea. I keep forgetting fucking Steve's alive. Yeah, but at some point he was alive and could have had a dream. Maybe he did and then he died. Okay, so I know why you hate this episode, but do you have a prediction on why this episode was so hated? Um, Not enough hotties in it? No, I have no idea. I just if, thought it would be the same reason as me hating it. 
based off of what I saw, the fact that it has nothing to do with the hatch and we have that like big dramatic moment with the others and we're going to build this army. And then it's like, oh, Charlie's being Charlie. Uh, and this kind yeah. of was like a complete derailment of any momentum that season two had. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't like it. And I can't believe I have to ask this question again. Who is hottie of the week? Well, I was alluding to it right there. It wasn't a very hot episode. Um, I was debating between a couple people. I did end up going with... I know who you think it should be. I absolutely know who it should be. It's not him. He beat uh, the shit out of Charlie. He did the thing we all wanted him to do. Yeah, MVP for sure. Not MVP hottie. for sure. Um, hottie of the week is Saeed. Uh, he was barely in the fucking episode. Yeah, but he was really competent when he was telling everybody how to put the fire out. Uh, that's bullshit. I I think you only did that because you knew I would never let you, let you live it down. No, I didn't think Locke was hot for it. I MVP for sure, but he's not hot. Disappointing. Get over it. When you're the title character, you can pick Hottie of the Week. <laughs> we got a comment today about how the reel about... You didn't do fucking shit. <laughs> um, they said, I beg to differ. And I, I responded, Lauren will be the first to tell you that she doesn't do anything other than show up. And this person responded, that's all she needs to do. <laughs> Who said that? It other was. people besides our relatives look at our Instagram? I know, right? Hey, I've been working really hard on our Instagram. Thank you very I much. Don't, I avoid it at all costs. It's really hard for me to avoid. I actually might unfollow it. You probably should. It's really hard for me to avoid the spoilers on Instagram because it's like if I because like with with TikTok, I follow us, but like I don't always see it. But it's just different with Instagram. It's always going to show it to me and it puts it like front and center. It was Tori.P's five is your shout out of the week. Thanks, Tori. You're the bomb. Last order of business. There is an episode next week. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and before I feel like... you guess, oh, okay. Before you guess, this is another obvious episode title, so I can only take one guess this week. Okay, that doesn't. Okay, um, obvious episode title. The thing is, it's like okay, I feel like we had a tiny little bit of a hint with that whole Hurley and Libby situation, but I don't think we're gonna get another episode title that says his name in it. So I'm going to go not him, but just put it in your brain that I did say that in case I'm wrong. Um, We just had Kate. We just had Jack. Locke. I've been editing a lot lately. Mm -hmm. And every week for a while there, you guessed Sawyer. Is it Sawyer? (laughs) And I said, you're just going to keep guessing Sawyer until you're right. I gave up on guessing him. The episode is titled The Long Con, and it is a Sawyer episode. Okay, I'm excited. (laughs) Does that mean Sawyer's going to kiss someone? I hope it does. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? It sucked, Dick. A few weeks ago, Kate and I were like, what if we do this episode drunk? (laughs) Probably would have helped, because I'm kind of grumpy. Yeah. Well, don't worry. The episode that I hate in season three, I have had it in my notes for a while now that I will be doing that episode drunk. 
That's probably going to annoy. You're actually so annoying when you're drunk. I, I just prefer that we don't do that. I'm not going to be like hammer, just a little buzz so I can get through the pain. Maybe just don't tell me. I feel like if I know you've been drinking, I'm going to immediately be annoyed with you. Well, let's see. Find out in a year. <laughs> but you don't have to wait a year to see all of our awesome TikTok content. Head on over to Lauren Gets Lost.pod on TikTok, Lauren Gets Lost Pod on Instagram, and Lauren Gets Lost on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Someone has looked at it one time or another. Lauren Gets Lost Podcast on Facebook. Am I allowed to shout out the YouTube yet, Zane? Hopefully you don't have to wait a year for that either. All right. Head on over. Find us on YouTube. I think it's LGL Productions. Or just Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. Or just Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. I don't know shit about fuck. Any <laughs> that's from that's from Ozarks. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Send us a DM or leave us a review. We love to read them. Send us your questions for flashback. Yeah, do that shit. Uh, if you super super like us, you can donate to us using the link in the episode description. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your baby at their next baptism and join us next week for the long con where hopefully we're going to see some hot people kissing. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.